because an onion of ill omen sounds to me like a bit of a dodgy pickled onion. You know, <laughs> like, oh, I shouldn't have had that that last one last night. Theo, that was an onion of ill omen and no mistake. I've been on the toilet for two days. It was the moment that the dude with the one arm who's now leaving them starts talking about how he's going to get off home to see his wife and kids. That, that cemented his, uh, his fate. <laughs> I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello there, welcome to part four of uh, Sharklive Royal's Look at a Dance with Dragons by George R. R. Martin, the fifth book in the Song of Ice and Fire series. I'm Matt. I'm Dave, hello. How are you doing, Dave? Too bad, Matt, not too bad at all. How are you? I'm good. Uh, right, I'm going to do a very quick um, sort of spoiler uh, setting out where we are with spoilers because I think this is quite useful. Um, so we obviously are very careful not to spoil anything in the book that we haven't got up to yet, obviously. Um, and when it comes to TV series, I think we're, we're sort of our policies evolve slightly. So we we do our very best not to spoil the last series, so series five, but sort yeah. of stuff before that is fair, fair game now, isn't it? After a few years. Yeah, I think that's fair, and that's also a fairly straightforward way of cutting through what would otherwise have... You'd need a map in, like, nine dimensions involving wormholes <laughs> to actually solve how yeah. to not spoil somebody on Game of Thrones if they're reading the books and watching the TV series. And I bet I bet, I bet, some people are playing the, the computer game only as well. I bet there's some people <laughs> out there who are like, all I want to do is button bash, all right, quick time events are my thing. Okay, so, going to play the old computer game. We should do a special on that, actually, now I think about it. Yeah. We, should, we should play the game through and just record what we're saying in the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're quite popular, though, aren't they? Um, yeah, those sort of supposed to be good. YouTube vlogger watch things. Look at me sounding like an old man. Those vlogger <laughs> what, watch One of those, those people on the internets. <laughs> what is an internet, anyway? Anyway, there are people there, apparently, yeah. on it. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to the sort of the good stuff, the stuff I'm comfortable with, the books, the, the old books. school stuff. If it's not on paper, Matt's not comfortable with it. <laughs> so uh, this week we're reading from page uh, 135 in my book, which is a chapter about Daenerys, which begins, the dancers shimmered. As far as, it looks like page 203, uh, which is a chapter about Tyrion, which begins, he dreamed of his lord father. Um, now... The reason I say sort of, I just thought st stop this off with spoilers is uh, that page reference maybe a little bit of a spoiler, um, considering <laughs> how we sort of leave Tyrion during this <laughs> section of the book. But anyway, can't be helped. Um, so kicking off with uh, Daenerys uh, in still in Marine, still beset by problems, now holding a bit of a party. Uh, for, in in honour of Zaro's, just, yeah. just a bit of a party, we should say. Yeah, in honour of Zaro Zaro Doxus, who's come for a visit. Her old friend from Carth, who uh, in another dimension, in the series dimension, she ended up locking in a <laughs> in some <laughs> vault and leaving to die. <laughs> I'd forgotten that. Oh, yeah. you see, I'm glad that I'd forgotten that as well because. Um, because otherwise I would have known that this, this little kind of character loop couldn't matter any less. <laughs> 
because they only change it in the TV series if it's not important to the final outcome, right? <laughs> so, so I would have known. Like I would, have, I, as it is, I was reading this and going, "Oh, oh fantastic! Yeah, yeah, Sarasau and Darkness. Yeah, badass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. drama." Which wouldn't have been my reaction if I'd have thought he was still in a cellar somewhere on HBO. <laughs> yeah, I'd just be a bit careful with that uh, serious comparison because just because it doesn't matter to the sort of final scene of the book doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to get a decent sort of chunk of story out of it. Uh, no, you're absolutely right. And actually, I think you, you put your finger there on one of the major differences between you and me, uh, which is that me, I, like, I'm horrible at this. I was the same with Harry Potter. I just go like the big story is the one I'm interested in. And all the little stories, I'm like, eh, don't care, went there, did this, stabbed him, don't care. Um, <laughs> which, which I think is why you have a dramatically more fulfilling experience with these books than I do, because it's almost all subplot. And I'm just like, fucking come on, where's the ice? Where's the fire? Come on. Where's the beef? Where's the beef? Where's the beef? Dave demanded angrily. T- I've told you, you will have some beef at the end of the seventh book, said George. <laughs> so uh, part of the entertainment for Zoro Zorodoxus, who is a completely different character, to be honest, in, in the book, uh, is this horny dance show. Um, I mean, it's kind of... It's kind of like uh, an Amsterdam sex show, but like turned up to 11. Um, So there you go. I mean, I wouldn't know. I'm no expert, obviously. But I I would have thought that, you know, your average purveyor of sex shows in Amsterdam would be quite insulted by the idea that they're not already at 11. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they should come along to this event here and just tell me if they still believe that. (laughs) I tell you what, though, I love that this is what royalty looks like what the sort of like stately occasions of like heads of state visiting heads of state look like in yeah. the world of a song of ice and fire because i mean honestly can you imagine if the trooping of the color involved like <laughs> naked dancers with massive hard-ons like mm. <laughs> just just <laughs> uh, the, the opening of parliament matt the opening of parliament with no clothes on and everybody's just dancing around just all having a bit of a shag <laughs> it will certainly make for higher viewing figures you're not wrong BBC <laughs> Parliament numbers would go through the roof <laughs> Ch- late night Channel 5 would bid him for oh, it as we speak that'd be it wouldn't it <laughs> and now welcome to the, the state opening of Parliament on late night Channel 5 <laughs> bam chicka chicka wow waka 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 wow <laughs> so um yeah so th- this is obviously a chance for Daenerys to try and find another alliance here uh, it turns out that Dario has had success with the lamb men of the Lazarine um, <laughs> it's quite funny because a bit later on um, they're talking about alliances and Zara Zaradox is saying oh all these people are allied against you I'm so worried about you and uh, and she's like we've got alliances too and he's sort of like who um, the Lamb of the Lazarine. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's so dismissive, aren't they? Like, I'd, I'd love it if, if everybody who actually went and interacted with the Lamb of the Lazarine came back going, do you know what? I was all set to slaughter them because they are the Lamb Men. You know, they're to be slaughtered <laughs> like cattle. But I think they made some fairly good points, actually. I think I'm going I'm to embrace pacifism. I just, <laughs> I would love it if that's what happened in West. Very unlikely, but it would be very good. <laughs> Do you know what I um I searched Twitter last week for a uh, a reference to see what people have been saying about the Lamb of the Lazarine, and I couldn't find mm. a single reference. 
So, oh, that's so, a so, crying shame. <laughs> so, so I, I think I might have mentioned it last time. I tweeted about them, and then later realised that I got the I spelled the name wrong. So they just, <laughs> they just can't catch a break. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, Matt. They don't need your fame. They've got happiness. The, don't yeah. worry. Be happy. They've got lambs. Um, okay, well. That's, Oh, it's not that they have lambs, is it? That they, it's that they're treated it's, like lambs. But anyway. Yeah, it's that they are, they are, by comparison, by comparison with all of the terribly impressive murdering psychopaths that populate the rest of the world, I think, is the, is the, um, the implication uh, mm. that they are, they are like lambs who can easily be slaughtered. But mm. uh, I'm on their side, though. I tell you what, if he had a lamb man of the Lazarine subplot, I'd be all over it. But <laughs> um, Back in Marine, we hear that the... Uh, this, there's a little bit of background for Daenerys now. She's withdrawn her and sullied from the streets and have now got a sort of a new police force of brazen beasts, they're called. Um, they're basically uh, a city watch that goes around masked be- uh, for their own protection so no one knows who they are, which isn't um, isn't a good <laughs> sign, is it? It's, it's the very living opposite of community policing, isn't it? No, Zaro is... He actually puts forward quite a... Um, sort of well thought out case for slavery would you believe um saying about how you know uh this you where know, are you what, going with this Matt? What, well, <laughs> he's asking her what what is the what is the answer what is her answer here he's, he talks about this merchant who's begged to become a slave again yeah. uh he's saying that about sort of Daenerys is asking about you know maybe we can trade together and he basically says, you know, without the slave trade, you've not really anything to sell me. You've got rubbish wine, got salt. We don't need that. Your <laughs> olive trees are all burned down. That's I thought yeah. quite like the olive trees one because he says, "Oh, we'll have your olive oil," and she's like, "Well, they burned all the olive trees, and they take seven years to even start showing fruit, and thirty years before they even start producing well. So yeah. it's an economy that isn't going to recover anytime soon." I tell you what. Other lines not usually uttered by fifteen-year-old characters in popular <laughs> fiction. <laughs> You're not understanding the economic impact of what's been happening here. The scorched earth policy of where are you all going? Can you imagine if Harry <laughs> Potter was like that? Room would have been empty. Yeah, but this is a really interesting argument over the slave uh, trade here because the the sort of the single biggest thing that we sort of cheer about Daenerys is obviously mm. coming in and abolishing this dreadful system of slavery mm. Mm. but um zero sort of is arguing here from sort of in a pragmatic sense that marine as a city needs it to survive and that it's mm. created an alliance of enemies which is it's basically been created around this opposition to what she's done there yeah. and it's sort of pretty much the entire economy ran on it so it's another reason for everyone in the city to hate her as well yeah although, apart from the slaves <laughs> yeah. although although as he says some of the slaves i don't know you wouldn't know how many would may have had a better life before she turned up well quote unquote better life isn't it like um there are two actually two interesting things about this is I, i've just come back from my holidays and while i was on holiday i read 12 years a slave hmm um, the book that the film was based on, which was an actual account which Solomon Northup wrote in the sort of months after he regained his freedom, spoilers, um, <laughs> after having been kidnapped and sold into slavery. And um, I'd recommend the book to anybody. It's, it's astonishingly good. But he actually spends quite a lot of time addressing the uh, the argument which was made by many slave owners at the time, which is that, um, you know, 
you know they're happier they you know they're they're happier when they're enslaved than they are when they're free and and you know slaves prefer this and so on um mm. and he's basically it's interesting because he, he he's sold to several different people the first guy who buys him is um quite a nice bloke like like treats people humanely and stuff um you know the the only way he wouldn't fit in in the 21st century is that he thinks slavery is all right um but he even in that passage solomon northup spends quite a lot of time going no but it's still you wouldn't believe literally everybody even people who were too frightened to look for their own freedom every last one of us wanted to be free Hmm. and and so obviously that's not the case in this particular scenario um but i do kind of wonder how much it's you know the grass is greener right because um, mm. we've had this, we had this argument last time, didn't we? You know, one of the, one of the senior fighting slaves saying, you know, when I was a slave, I slept on velvet and I ate moonbeams and I was it was great. Mm. And you know, the point is well made that um, you don't. That wasn't the case for everybody. Also, the economic argument bollocks. That was exactly the same argument that was made in uh, the early 1800s and late 1700s in the UK for mm. against the abolition of the slave trade, which eventually happened in 1807. And the argument was, our entire economy revolves around this. We will mm. perish. Now, I, you know, however you feel about the history of Great Britain in the 1800s, it is not possible to look at that and describe it as a period of, of terminal economic decline. You know no. what I mean? The, I mean, so the point is that, you know, you could change it up. You can find other ways to grow. That's how economics works anyway. Mm. Um, but so, but all of that from, I mean, if Zara's Arandoxus is genuinely saying correctly that it's not, that's not the way it is, and you literally only had slaves to sell, and now, you know, the, the, the fairly merciless economic argument is, all right, everybody, let's go down the road to the next city that's got some more stuff. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah well he he says he actually offers a, a sort of a kind of a way out here does does involve abandoning the city but he's turned up with ships uh a, a sort of a proper fleet and um he says you know the, the these these warlocks are after you as well enemies are closing in all these alliances around you look the whole point of you know it, when daenerys was in carth all she talks about was getting home and yeah. he he's his sort of most convincing message i think is yeah. saying you've sort of you've kind of lost your way a bit here remember what the whole point of you tr- making all this you know traveling all this way is it's to go home mm. here's the golden ticket here's the fleet you've been after you know just go um mm-hmm. and it's a very it's very hard to think well why not (laughs) yeah yeah totally um and and i love the debate that goes on in her council later on where like Mm. the the, her admiral who until this point has been a man without ships is going yeah come on we've got to go we we must go like this is yes yes you know manifest (laughs) destiny bitches and everybody else is going careful now down with this sort of thing you know, it's, it's, there's a lot more uncertainty around it, isn't there? And I think yeah. that's appropriate, though. You know, like, you know, we know the war in Westeros really well, and we know how difficult it is to win. Yeah. And particularly now she's losing hold of her dragons, it is a little bit like, well, you know, why not hang out on the beach? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it, the, the, the argument at the council comes down to two sides. Yeah, there's the Admiral, who's just delighted to have some ships again. There's... um. <laughs> The Sabariston is all for it. He's basically, let's go home. You know, we can win this. Um, and then there are the people 
sort of who are obviously originally from Marine who are basically mm. saying, you know, if you leave, we are finished. We are done and you're abandoning us. Um, after all, we've sort of done to try and help you. Um, and she can't take, she can't obviously can't take them all with her. Yeah. Um, so it's not simple. And in the end, she decides she's not going to do it. She's not going to abandon the city. Yeah. Um, it's quite interesting at this council as well. This envoy from Astapor, from the Butcher King, as we've uh, spoken <laughs> about before, um, he's been fighting like this various alliance against Daenerys, basically because he's got no, because he's he's also sort of uh, come out of this re- slave rebellion, hasn't he? The Butcher King, yeah, yeah, and um, he's been asking time and again for support from Daenerys, and she keeps denying him it, and because she doesn't like the sort of look of him. Uh, yeah. But again, it's sort of, could she have been a bit more pragmatic there? It's, it's her one sort of ally of any strength or potential ally of any strength in the region. And she's just letting him be sort of taken apart uh, by this sort of massive army on the way to attack her. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's a bad move on her part, to be honest. Like, I, I think that the, the wise thing to do would be to reach out. But then again, she's thinking, you know, we only just got here. <laughs> almost yeah. you know we've had a long walk through hot sun and then now i'm in the cool with a bit of you know i've got a drink going on and no i'm not going back out there um but yeah i think it is it's a bad move but in a way like this whole stuff on the coast is it's sort of like the training program it's like mm. the tutorial at the start of a, a computer game <laughs> Um, and so, but wouldn't it be wouldn't it be good if there was a computer game where like somebody turns up and says, right, it's the end of the tutorial now, right? You better carry on. And it was a trick. And if you actually went over there, you got completely hammered. And you know, like so. So I feel like she's she is doing the wise thing by sticking around. But mm. yeah, I would go down the coast. And I think she's doing the. Yeah, I, I think she's doing the noble thing by staying in Marine. But I hey. think she, I think it's I, I think it's a I don't know if you're looking at it from a cold heartless sort of heartless what is your objective what do you want to do you can't fix all the problems in the world if you you don't even have your own kingdom yet go and sort that out first yeah yeah so she she gives the news to Zaro Zaro Daxos and he is obviously furious you get the feeling that um, he isn't some sort of false friend this guy it is sort of genuine advice that isn't it he could have just i suppose he's probably said to to this uh, this other alliance i reckon that you know i've spoken to her before i know this girl i reckon i can get her out without any bloodshed and he's failed because she's not going to leave and then these um 13 ships that he offered her stay in port but now sort of raise the war banners so she's blockaded yeah, and that was the way it was going to be as well. So it wasn't really so much a kind of... I, I mean, I suppose Zarazo and Doxus could have said, you know, oh, this is a... You know, this is an act of friendship that I'm doing. But the friendship he's offering is do what I tell you to do, which isn't a good look for queens, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so what he's really doing is, for the sake of his influence, he's putting her in a kind of impossible position. But yeah, mm-hmm. I really want to know what happens next. I know, yeah. It's looking, it's looking good. It's not looking good, actually, but it's looking interesting. It's looking terrible, but it looks <laughs> like there might be a battle. <laughs> uh, next up is a chapter about John. Speaking of not looking good, 
um, he's he's going through the underground winter tunnels uh, under the wall. It's basically the massive sort of winter stores of food, uh, mm. including an enormous sort of fridge freezer, which is basically just sort of the caves under the wall, which are always really cool, which I thought was quite good. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, there's loads and loads of food, but sort of considering the winter that's coming, it's not mm. going to be enough, especially considering the increase in population, because they've got this massive load of refugees from Molestown, they've got yeah. the wildlings, they've got Stannis' army, and then they've got the Night's Watch. It's yeah. just going to be too much to feed, so yeah, yeah. it's... um it's another problem for John to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I would I would quite like it in this situation. As always, I'm looking for the facetious get-out. And I would like it if, you know, they're planning for this, like, world-ending winter, you know, this winter that never stops, goes on for generations. And, so, and I'd love it if it turned out to be, you know, surprisingly mild. Because I, I'm from the UK, where apocalyptic predictions of snow come literally every year, and almost every year, it's nowhere near as bad as the headlines have led you to believe it will be. So, so I'd love it if it was just a sort of Daily Mail headline situation where it was like everybody's just bought the hype. And then, and, you know, my, my, my wall of ice was full of slaughtered deer and goose and everything. And we were all hunkered down. And I was half starving everybody, including myself, because we, did, we weren't going to have enough food to get through this. And then, do you know what it was? January the 2nd. 14 degrees outside what's going on there anyway <laughs> even the yeah. others turned around and decided they didn't want to get a suntan you know <laughs> yeah maybe that's the twist that's coming but we'll have to wait and see i'd love it um, wouldn't you love that wouldn't you just absolutely flipping love that because the thing is that i can't see how without that happening i can't see how this epic winter is going to be anything other than a bit of a letdown because you only got two books left to do it in so <laughs> how's he gonna do it so I think the winds of winter are going to more likely be the sort of the light breeze of a very mild winter. Yeah, yeah. The winds of winter or the warm breezes of a surprisingly clement early spring. <laughs> we'll see. I'm not holding out a great deal of hope and neither is John <laughs> at this stage. Uh, there's uh, the, the the wrong way rangers have returned. Do you remember these two? This pair who are uh, headed off down the uh, King's Road. Uh, mm. looking for alliances for Stannis. They've come what, what do they call them? They call them Sir Gallops in the Wrong Direction or something. Yeah. I thought what was interesting about this, this pair is that is is it one of those who Ghost sort of nearly attacks? Um, he, he sort of has one of them up against the wall and John comes along and is like, come on. No, no, I think the one that Ghost... Isn't the one that Ghost attacks that knobhead who like happened to walk past a giant in his dying moment and now cause himself giant's bane? Or giant it? killer, I think well, it's. I think it was him. Maybe that's wishful thinking on my part because I just hate that character so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it it was a character anyway. That ghost is sort of um, roughing up, if you like, and John actually kind of struggles to control him. I it just it seems a little little similar to what's going on with Daenerys and the dragons here, and yeah. unusual considering these direwolves have have always been pretty much, I suppose, apart from. The, what was the little kids one's called Shaggy Dog uh, Rickon's one yeah, yeah. which was a bit wild um, yeah. they're normally utterly obedient to their uh, to their master but not, not maybe so it's, maybe it's a warg thing you know mm. maybe it's like um, what happens is you know the more you warg into them the more they get used to being controlled almost from inside mm. and yeah. so or the more of you goes into them and so the less animal they are and the less likely they are to kind of you know be 
be controlled by animal control techniques. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could be that. Um, the there's this council with Stannis again. Uh, <laughs> the uh, lady, the red woman, Melisandre, um, gives Rattleshirt to to John. <laughs> he's got he's got this big red ruby around oh, his neck now. He seems thanks. like a super. Yeah, he seems like a super sort of uh, red woman creature now, and. Um, and yeah, John's just like that, as you say. Great rattle shirt. <laughs> Tar. Brilliant. Thanks. <laughs> uh, and that must have seemed like an extra slap in the face as well, mustn't it? You know, he's thinking, right, we haven't got enough food. We've got too many people who can't fight, but we haven't got enough people who will fight. <laughs> and now rattle shirt, you say. <laughs> Plus, why is she particularly given rattle shirt a flipping a ruby, which presumably she controls somehow to, like, assure his behavior, Right. Like, mm. how many other people has Strange, she done this for it? in the past? And if and, and and if she has done it for other people in the past, is would that not be like playing a sort of ninety-five thousand first-person shooters all at the same time? Like, because you know she's got to be worrying about what each <laughs> of them is doing in order to directly control their behaviour, right? So either this isn't something that's terribly like well mm. executed, or this is a one-off, and what she's actually doing is putting a spy in with the Night's Watch. Yeah. What? What? Uh, I mean, so so you, so you think him wearing this red sort of ruby thing means that she can control him? Well, she says that, doesn't she? she like he wears this big, and it, like his red ruby thing, like kind of pulses, and hers does at the same time. And there was, hmm. I, maybe I misread it, but I thought there was an implication that because of that, you know, oh, he's no longer untrustworthy. You know, like don't worry about it. He's sort of on a leash, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose it is implied. Okay, yeah. Um, but, uh, so, I mean, but that's an interesting one, isn't it? Like, either yeah. that or Rattlebones has actually got religion, which I think is quite impressive. <laughs> yeah, that's quite a sort of conversion, isn't it? The yeah. um, th- There's some good, interesting sort of northern politics stuff here, mainly centering around the Umbers. If you remember, these are the, uh, the hardest yeah. of the hard, the guys who live closest to the wall, who are sort of, who are allied to, or who are sort of, lords of uh, you know obviously of uh, the starks in winterfell um yeah the, um, the house umber the suggested suggested words for house umber no fucks given yeah yeah that's, it's that's the, house umber yeah the their sort of crest is a uh, a giant bursting gate of chains so <laughs> that gives you an idea <laughs> <laughs> now, if you remember that the the guy in charge of the umbers the great john um was captured at uh the red wedding so uh, he's obviously out of the picture at the moment yeah. so it sort of control falls to his two um brothers uh mm-hmm. one or i think it's brothers one is um called nicknames crow food because um if you mm. remember he's uh the guy who bit the head off a crow when um mm. when it pecked his eye out and uh the other's called horsebane and we <laughs> we find out a little bit more about why here it, yeah. it turns out he slept with a prostitute which turned out to be a man and he killed him. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, well, I mean, I think at that point, you know, buyer beware. I don't think it's the prostitute's <laughs> fault that he's a man. I think it's your fault that you... How drunk were you for a start? <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> you think you'd check, though, as a sort of... as the, From a salesman point of view as well. Just before we get... Yeah, just started here. <laughs> you do know. <laughs> What's the right of return on this economic transaction? Some, 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 
<laughs> yeah, someone's made a grievous error there, probably more than one person. But anyway, yes. um, but it turns out that so crow food um is uh arranging to I think, but basically what one they're playing both sides, aren't they? One of them have said, okay, we'll join up with you, and one of them have said to basically the Boltons will join up with you as long as we don't end up fighting each other. Yeah. Um, so it's quite, yeah, quite, just, ca- I suppose, we, careful there. Um, there's a, a good exchange as well with um, John and this Giants Bane guy who you mentioned, who's yeah. um, been swagging around since the Giants run away, and he's talking about who how they should go and crush the uh, the Umbers to make to send a message, and um, it's quite good because like John says, oh, you know, um, you, 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 I'd like to see you go up against um, one of these Umbers and. Giant Spain's like, I killed this dragon, and John's like, yeah, I killed this giant, and John's like, yeah, the giant was running away, and this guy won't be. <laughs> <laughs> I do like this. I like getting a little bit of because the thing is that you know John Snow's a badass, and he's incredibly patient. Like he's not given to kind of flip or like verbal violence or comebacks or anything like that. So that means when he cracks it out, he's, he he only ever does it in order to make a good point and be a complete badass so you could just just imagine that that is a drops mic leaves mess hall moment isn't it <laughs> yeah i mean we, we do get a feel here as we as we did from davos when he was in white harbor that uh the direction of travel in the north is reluctantly maybe but still very much the case towards the boltons you've got the yeah. hornwoods the serwins the tall hearts the risewells and the dustins have all declared for Bolton there as well. And uh, does this bother you at all? I mean, uh, apart from the fact, obviously, that the Boltons are reprehensible and horrible and you don't want them to succeed, Mm. like, there's a lot of houses that they just named. Fine, fair enough, the Boltons have Winterfell, but who else is with them? The Freys. And Mm. that's it, right? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I suppose, but I suppose they are, they... They ha- yeah, you like to say they have Winterfell. They've got the biggest army. The I think later on in this part when we do the Reek chapter, do we do the Reek mm. chapter in this part? Yeah, we do. Yeah. Um, he says something about he as as the sort of Boltons are returning from the south. He says, you know, he remembers twenty thousand men went south with Rob, and only about four thousand are coming back, and they're almost all Boltons. So uh, right. there's, there's not much, uh, you know, like any yeah. sort of other army. Has been finished south of uh, south of the neck during this battle, during yeah. this war. Yeah. So I suppose that the, the problem is for anyone who doesn't like the Boltons in the north, which is a lot of people. Um, <laughs> there's 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 no there's no really other option because there's no other strong uh, there's no other strong lord around in the north. And as we saw him with with Davos in White Harbor, Stannis isn't even being talked about. No one's even yeah. aware he's around. Yeah, and that's. Is that an accurate reflection of Stannis' importance? Is he failing to do the PR game properly? Or is this all part of the play? Hmm. What do you think? I, I think he's failing to do the PR, because he just doesn't do the PR game, does he? Yeah, he just no, turned he up at the wall. Yeah. No, no one was aware that he was even going to be there. And he's only now starting to send out envoys to say, look, here I am, come and join me. And he doesn't even do it in a particularly effective way there as well. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Although, you've got to say, that does enable him to make a hell of an entrance when he turns up. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> when John's all ready to kill Mance Raider, or is he? Maybe he's going to go over, and Stannis appears. Bosh. <laughs> yeah, so Stannis's new plan is because he's not got many men on side from the north, he's going to arm the wildings, get them to sort of form his van, his sort of uh, his first wave, if you like, um, and then go and attack the Dreadfort. And John thinks this is madness. He thinks the Dreadforts are particularly... I mean, it's, it's the Dreadfort. Just think of yeah. the name. It's particularly yeah. well defended. Um, even though there's not many men in there, he thinks it'll be difficult to take. Um, they'll have issues on the road on the way down because sort of it's, it's not the easiest road to get there either um so he's a bit worried and he, he offers this yeah. alternative plan at the end of this chapter which right. is to attack deepwood mott instead which is a less easily defended and sort yeah. of at least give stannis a victory at the start yeah um do you think there was there's, a, there's something to be said for that yes i do and i i have to say i loved this whole bit of the book where like notwithstanding the fact that John's really not supposed to be giving Stannis strategic advice I do sort of love that this Mm. shows once again you know this quite young character like being a complete political badass even though Mm. going to the wall is supposed to be banishment and disconnection and you know you don't get the news and you don't know what's what and all that actually Mm. you know he's very much his father's son here and and he's and he's better at it than Stannis is. Stannis is just slamming around, kind of going, I'm king by right, blah, blah, blah. Killy, killy, stabby, stabby, definitely win. Why won't I win? Oh, because I'm the Messiah, perhaps. You know, and <laughs> like, and John's just like, no, let me give you a properly reasoned list of ways for you to succeed. Do you know what mm. I mean? Like, mm. just much better and much more effective. Yeah, the bonus of going towards the uh, Deepwood Mott as well is that you go through the hills, and John thinks that he can, that Stannis can get the, these these sort of hill tribes on on board who are sort of sort of nominally um, loyal to the Starks, but very much keep themselves to themselves. And, they're, they're, it's, these yeah. are Scottish tribes, aren't they? Is what is what he was going for here. Right? He, was, <laughs> yeah. he was no, I mean this is what this is what the um, the the Highland clans. Were yeah, yeah, like, you're absolutely right. Yeah, you know, way back in the day, and I love it for that. <laughs> if only because until this point in the book, it hasn't been entirely clear whether George Martin is making a Scotsman simulacrum out of the White Walkers. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Because this is completely how the Scottish were written about by the Romans back when there was actually a wall dividing this kind of long, thin island in half, and uh, and all of that. You know, they mm. were talked about as sort of hilarious supernatural beings that kill you as soon as look at you and the rest. So I quite like that he's gone a different direction with this and gone, no, 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 there is a whole load of people living over there. They're just, you know, they're just having a good time. That's that's mm. all it is. You'll eat fantastically. You'll drink really well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just So I love that he's gone in this direction. Yeah, you can see why that would be attractive to almost anybody. Probably not so much Stannis, but yeah, get feasted. Stannis thinks of, thinks of enjoyment as being fundamentally wrong. Yeah, it even sort of says that here. It's almost like, okay, I'll go and get feasted by all these people. (laughs) Bloody hell, Stan, if you don't want it, I'll do it. Send me. (laughs) Yeah. Let's let's move on to the next chapter, Tyrion. When we last left Tyrion, it was all fun and games on the Shy Maid. There was a... you know, there was a little turtle roaring at them and they were having a great time. You don't mean to tell me that that's going to stop, Matt, do you? You don't mean to tell me that... (laughs) Levity is followed almost immediately by some sort of crushing and horrifying violence. 
Is there? Well, well, the alarm bells are ringing as they enter the area which is called the Sorrows. Losing um, the name. Co- covered in thick fog, loads of sort of um, ruins just dotted around. Mm. And actually, it, the weird thing is with this, it it turns out that they sort of they move into almost never-ending fog because they go past this bridge. Yeah. And then if they say no, we'll be out of the fo- we'll be out of this area in sort of another half hour or so, whatever. And then half an hour later, they they go past the bridge again, and it's like, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> what do you make of this? This is it seems like a genuine supernatural event. Yeah, and 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 really well executed for that. Mm. Um, so uh, in other books where we've done where you know weird supernatural freaky shit goes down. Mm-hmm. I tend to be a bit like, nah, I I enjoyed the mist, but like I, I it feels to me like unfair storytelling. Whereas this is just dropped mm-hmm. in, just like like seasoning in, in a fantastic soup, and and you're mm. like, what what's going on? What what why? Because how? You know, mm. um, and it, it it's exactly as unsettling as it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I did also love, by the way, that this absolutely is a callback to the actual mist the book by Stephen King yeah here's a little I suppose yeah it's, well, you know endless mist in which freaky shit's going down <laughs> you can't be sure of which way's left and right admittedly there are fewer tentacles in this so far <laughs> but we'll wait um, it is very it, it is very atmospheric isn't it I really enjoyed this but I think you mentioned this last time actually with the uh, Tyrion stuff at the moment the setting is really interesting at the moment the mm. area they're moving through mm-hmm. um so, so the, the the sort of if we rewind a little bit as they're approaching the sort of the bridge for the first time, they're all sort of quietly muttering to each other about sort of where they are and where they're going and stuff. And um, Griff shuts them all up. And he says, "Quiet, all of you." And I was just waiting for him to say, <laughs> "They're approaching the Tyrannosaur Paddock." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's what I want. And yeah, just come up with something like, yeah, there used to be big lizards that live here as well. Just do whatever it takes, George, to get that reference in there. Make it happen. That's who um, who Griff is for me now, um, which is a, a welcome change from Griff Reese Jones, who was the original inhabit like casting for this in my brain. Uh, now it's moved over to a, a Bob Peck style character, so I'm quite happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> Quiet, all of you. They're approaching the horrifying Stonemen Bridge. <laughs> uh, for more on that, uh, listen to our Jurassic Park podcast. Uh, Jurassic Shark. Anyway, um, yeah, so they approach these ruins. Uh, they approach this bridge twice. Um, they <laughs> we, we get a bit of time in Tyrion's head about... He, he's thinking a bit back a bit, a bit about... Jamie and I don't know I just like this a little bit because it outlined just why that was such a betrayal for Tyrion because yeah, Jamie yeah. was such a sort of um, an important figure in his life before then much more so than than Tywin would have, was ever yeah um, yeah very very much and in a sense Jamie had this really important role in that he was acting as a decent human being towards his brother um, when nobody else in the family was and so it was almost like a way for Tyrion to be a Lannister without being filled with self-hatred. So yeah, the 
the description of why that was so significant really impressively really quickly just plugged me right back into that character and mm. sort of why you know it's so complicated and so difficult for them you know yeah uh the just before everything goes south and there's this attack on them uh the uh, <laughs> the Tyrion sort of figures out who young griff is Mm. Uh, so this guy has had the, the thinnest of thin sort of disguises so far, hasn't he? Really? <laughs> this, the, the, I was taken in, Matt. Given that I <laughs> couldn't see or hear him, I believed it. <laughs> well, I suppose the disguise being, it just hasn't really been talked about. Um, but Tyrion basically says, you know, oh yeah, you're, he's, he's read between the lines and now pretends to know more than he does to see if what he suspects is true <laughs> so he says <laughs> i know you are like you are yeah and adrian <laughs> griff's like yes it is i <laughs> <laughs> young griff's just waiting for it as well isn't he He must have been thinking he seems to have dealt quite well with this whole moving incognito thing but yeah. I, I i quite like i quite like that at the first opportunity to say it is i the king he's <laughs> like but it is i for I am he. It's just like, it's really, really kind of absolutely what a teenager would do in that situation, right? Yeah. So, um, so what we have, what we've discovered here is that um, young Griff is actually, and then this is a bit of a twist, um, <clears throat> one of the kids who was supposed to have been killed during the Sack of King's Landing way back when by the Lannisters. So he's yeah. one, one of Rhaegar's children, Rhaegar's yeah. son. Yeah, um, yeah, and this Griff guy is actually John Connington, who's sort of an exiled, old, um, sort of loyal, like Targaryen loyalist. Yeah, yeah. Which begging the question, how pissed off must he be at the way his life's gone? Do you reckon he has moments at night, <laughs> just like I was a lord? <laughs> he does seem perennially pissed off. Had a castle. <laughs> now I've got to teach him how to fucking add up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is the point where Tyrion recognises that they're going in circles and the stone men sort of attack from the bridge the second time round. What did you make of the stone men? Um, well, I mean, this was a bit weird. I feel like the, the impact of this was kind of taken away from me a bit because I watched the TV series first. So there is a sequence involving the stone men there as well. Hmm. Um, and um, so for that reason, the moment they start moving in amongst these old ruins and talking about stone men, I'm like, oh, shit's going to get real here. <laughs> Shit's gonna get heavy, um, and um, but I kind of, on the one hand, I thought this was really interesting. You know, playing with the idea of um, of sickness, and you know, imagine a new kind of sickness that literally turns the flesh to stone. Like that's, you know, that's a really interesting idea. And the idea of like a leper colony full of people who have had these kind of experiences, and um, mm. you know, that's really interesting to do as well. Overall, though, I have to say that I was a bit pissed off because it is yet another fucking zombie trope in popular <laughs> fiction. And I was like, George, you've already got one bunch of zombies. You cannot have two different kinds of zombies in a book <laughs> and have me not throw it across the room. <laughs> I just, I have very little patience for zombie fiction these days. And possibly if I'd have read this when it came out before, you know, the last five years have been absolutely stuffed full of zombie fiction, yeah. I would have responded to it a bit differently. But as it was, I was like, oh, really shambling. Were they on the bridge? Yeah. <laughs> really not in control of their own actions, but still, you know, indefinably horrifying and, uh, and threatening. Probably move quite slowly whilst at the same time being really blah, 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 zombies. Don't yeah. care. 
you know yeah i i also think the the, the parallel with zombies is um how easy it is for you to become one as well all they've got to do is yeah. touch you and yeah. you could catch it and you yeah. could end up like that so yeah. there's that worry as well and this yeah. is what happens here so they attack the boat and um in the end there's this sort of fight and Tyrion gets sort of pulled down into the water and it f- it looks like he drowns because he sort of yeah. is being pulled down sort of to the bottom the this stone man sort of got his got his sort of arms around his legs he can't get back to the surface and his sort of last thought is right well i'm going to come back and haunt you all then yeah. Um, as he and then it's even worse than that, you know, as as he opened his mouth to curse them all, his lungs filled with liquid. That's what drowning is. Yeah. Like so, and this is how they did it in the TV series as well. So, I I don't know. I didn't respond to this as though it was a death again because of the TV series. So if it turns out that Tyrion's actually dead, this will be the mother and father of all side swipes. Well, especially considering the first chapter of our next part is Tyrion. <laughs> <laughs> but it could be, you know, like, uh, you know, Tyrion, Tyrion um, floated in the, in the afterlife looking down on all the people he'd previously looked up at and thought, ha, you fools, I will <laughs> shit you right up. And then it becomes a poltergeist ripoff instead of a Night of the Living Dead ripoff. And I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah, I've got to admit, the first time I read this, I didn't really think Tyrion had died. And I was disappointed at that, uh, in terms of at my own reaction, because yeah. I think it just shows that he's done it too often. I'm I'm, re- I'm yeah. waiting for for him. Not, whenever anyone, it, when you when I was reading Game of Thrones book one, when yeah. someone died, it was a shock, and it was like, oh, someone's that's 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 unbelievable. Yeah. Um, now it's even even if it looks almost certain that they've died or certain, I kind yeah. of think, oh well, there's been so many times now where they haven't died <laughs> it's yeah. probably still okay yeah that's and that's the thing isn't it that's you know from lady stone art all the way through it's like okay i you know death no longer means what you think it means here death only really is real when it happens to a minor character yeah um except when they're ned stark why did you have to do it george <laughs> why was that the death that had to count <laughs> okay well moving on this is a nice segue into the next chapter davos uh, Davos, as we remembered, is um, he's got the sword of Damocles hanging over his head because in Feast for Crows it appears his head ends up <laughs> on a spike. Um, so yeah, again, completely robs you of the thing, doesn't it? You, you just end up like with th- this whole sequence. I don't know about you, but I was just watching it going, uh, and then he died. <laughs> he's no and chance. Then he yeah. died. You know. So, so um he's been he's been taken to the sort of uh the, the the sort of the great hall in uh in white harbor to to put his case to wyman mandalay um because mm. his whole that was his whole sort of plan here is to he's been sent on this mission to get the mandalays on side with stannis he's spent mm. between two and three weeks in captivity it turns out mm. um mm-hmm. so he's been he's not exactly been uh seen straight away he, yeah. I, li- I like this journey to the to the sort of to the hall um it's this it's this mass i i, I really I always really enjoy being in white heart because it seems such an interesting place there's mm. this long hall adorned with prows so um yeah. sort of the old sort of fronts of fronts of ships you know you have like uh some kind of carving on the front of your ship they all mm. sort of align the walls and um the floors all sort of weird sort of wood as well and like old ship hulls and stuff and there's fantastical 
um, paintings of uh, and carvings of mythical sea beasts and all this everywhere. <laughs> it just yeah. feels it feels kind of like what the Iron Islands would be if it was like civilized. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah, although it's possible to argue that a hole in the ground full of fighting rabid dogs is what the Iron Islands would be like if they civilized themselves. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's more civilized <laughs> than the Iron Islands is not a hard bar to clear. But no, I agree. Yeah, and I, I've enjoyed this this environment very much, even though our presence here is just incredibly sort of brusque and peremptory because we already know what's going to happen. Yeah, because we've seen it in the previous book. Yeah. Um, no, so he gets presented to Wyman Manderley. It's not a good start because he's immediately described as a smuggler and an onion of ill omen. So um, it's not going to go well for you if you're introduced <laughs> using what's basically saying "bitch boy over here." <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's not going to go well after that, is it? You know what? Th- this I had echoes with this, especially when he's at this onion of ill omen. Um, it gave me a real echo of sort of. Again, Lord of the Rings, Theoden Hall, uh, sort of yeah. Stormcrow. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but except in a much more toilet humour sort of a way, isn't it? Because an onion of ill omen sounds to me like a bit of a dodgy pickled onion. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I shouldn't have had that that last one last night. Dear, that was an onion of ill omen and no mistake. I've been on the toilet for two days. Yeah, yeah. So the, um, the phrase are already at court here, um, already at, at the hall. And they retell their sort of their version of events of the Red Wedding now, which is mm. that the, the, the fray line is that um, Rob and his sort of guards turned into wolves, like, and then Wendell, obviously Mandeli's son, uh, died saving Walder Frey. And um, I mean, even even Jared Frey, the guy telling this, is smirking as he's telling the story because he knows how bollocks it is. But um, it's but Mandalay's sort of response is like, well, you know, Wendell always was a brave kind of guy. Oh, it's, and he was thinking, it's oh. so painful, isn't it? Watching yeah. somebody who you thought was a bit of a sharp cookie, since he's the only wealthy man in the whole of the North, hmm. um, like, but just be so easily taken in by somebody turning up and going, it wasn't me, it was him. It was, yeah, yeah. it was him. It was him, and I'll tell you what else. Turns out, werewolves are a thing. <laughs> you know, like, you're not, you're not just building your argument that it wasn't me or my family who did it on kind of like a, you know, it's not even my word against his. It's, it's, it's inventing a completely new universe in which people turn into wolves <laughs> in order to justify, it wasn't me. No, 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 no. It was the werewolves. Not heard about the werewolves. Yeah, new thing, but definitely legally admissible. What? <laughs> yeah. I mean, thin as this story is, you can see some other reasons why this is a bit of a kangaroo court and the, the difficulty oh, yeah. Davos has got here. You know, um, this Sir Willis's uh, sort, of, sort of Wyman's first... One of Wyman's sons, obviously, was uh, Wendell, who's dead. He died at the Red Wedding. The other one's Sir Willis, and Sir Willis's wife is here because Sir Willis is currently a captive. And it's basically clear here that, you know, if White Harbour declares for Stannis, Sir Willis is killed. He's finished. So, yeah. yeah. So, what Wyman's, Wyman Mandel is basically saying here if I declare for Stannis, A, let's put this one on the table first, my mm. last remaining son gets killed. Yeah. Um, B, a lot of the, like, there's a lot of suspicion here about the Red Woman, about the Red yeah. Gods. Yeah. And Davos even thinks here, 
I hope no one brings up the fact you burned the se- those seven uh, gods on it and started putting people to, you know, started yeah. burning people alive on Dragonstone because yeah, yeah. Th- they're kind of right to be suspicious of this woman because she is a absolute nutter extremist as we've seen. Um, <laughs> so there's yes. that yes. as well. So we'll stick that in the column. Um, he even says, and then he Wyman lays out the sort of generous terms as he describes them that have been offered by uh, Roose Bolton and by the uh, by the king down in King's Landing, which is, mm. you know, this this marriage into the fray line, this uh, promise to keep various lands and stuff, despite the fact that they had <clears throat> fought with Rob. So he says, mm. right, there's all that, and then he basically so so what what Stannis going to offer me? And mm. Davos is like. Hmm. Um, um, <laughs> vengeance is thinking that's the only thing you can offer him vengeance <laughs> and yeah and again it's kind of I love Davos as a character and it kills me to see him struggling in this situation but it really was mm. wasn't it you could almost hear the rising intonation at the end uh, vengeance <laughs> no money <laughs> I mean, uh, definitely vengeance though this does sort of strike home with one of the people there. There's this the youngest Manderly, uh, this girl, is sort of, sort of. Spe- I was actually really pleased that at least someone there is sort of telling it like it is as well, other than Davos. Mm. Um, but she kind of gets shut down pretty quickly and ejected from the room for for even um, suggesting that there's anything to what Davos is saying here. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and this the phrase again lay on a bit more thickly about rob saying he was a you know he the guy who betrayed the north was rob he abandoned everybody to try and carve out his own little kingdom in the riverlands yeah but you'd have been bang alongside him if he'd have succeeded wouldn't you yeah like that i mean so while that's not an invalid argument it's far more you know it carries the scent of humbug about it in that it's an after the fact this is why I'm going to support... This is why I'm going to listen to this bloke in the room with me. Hmm. Um, I'm justifying it because I don't want to say I don't trust these bastards an inch and they've got my son. Which is actually what he's thinking, right? Yeah. Either that or he's a complete moron. If he's really thinking what he's (laughs) thinking here, he's a complete fuckwit. Yeah, well, it's interesting that the the last thing that the phrase say is that, um, you know, the young wolf was a vile dog and he died like one. And there's this sort of... There's this look from Mandalay, like, kind of angry. And it just yeah. feels like maybe Frey's overplayed his hand a little bit there in that, you know, okay, don't lay it on that thick. Yeah. And sort of, it, it, it is it is even, there must be some kind, even, even deep down, Mandalay must know that this stinks a bit. Yeah. And, you know... I just felt a bit like Frey just gone at that step too far when he said that, but it's obviously yeah. it's obviously not enough considering everything that's um, as we just talked about the pros and cons of which way Mandalay should go, yeah. and he Mandalay ends with saying you know, you'd risk my city for a false king and a false god, yeah. um, take him away and you know snick his head off. He says he he actually says uh, they, they you know they'd want me to uh, to send you away to be sort of tortured and killed but I'm a merciful man I'm just going to kill you mm. look yeah. at you Davos yeah. he says, well, I, he says I, I, yeah. want, I want it, want his head on a spike with an onion stuffed in his mouth that's how, that's how things are going to end for Davos it seems. Ugh. at that point I'm a bit like 
isn't isn't being really posh supposed to have an element of classiness to it? Not <laughs> pissing on his skull when he's already dead. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like stick an onion in there as well. That will be funny for reasons. <laughs> One yeah. man argument against aristocracy, Manderley, I'll tell you. <laughs> Actually, the whole of the Westerosi experience is basically an argument against aristocracy. Now I think about it, isn't it? <laughs> so, so there we are. It's looking pretty hopeless for Stannis in in White Harbor as well, and especially hopeless for Davos. Um, moving on to Reek, we're sticking. We're spending a lot of time in the North here, aren't we? So um, yeah. it's very interesting. Um, well, I'm loving it because previously we spent a lot of time in other less interesting places. Yeah. Uh, now, Reek is on an envoy mission to the Ironborn in Moat Kaelin. So, basically, the Boltons are still split into two armies. You've got the ones in the north, led by Ramsay. Mm. And you've got the ones who have been fighting in the south who want to come back north. And mm. in the middle, you've got Moat Kaelin, still held by the last sort of remaining garrison of Ironborn. If you remember, yeah. that massive hulking tank of a guy, yeah. um, what's he called, Victorian? Yeah. Took Moat Kaelin. Uh, and then left uh, once the king's moot began, and he's left this garrison, which turns out to be sort of the dregs of the Ironborn to, to guard it. <laughs> what is it? Because if you're going to make a bad argument for your own kingship, you might as well make it a long way away from where arguments are being heard. Because I remember yeah. the king's moot last time. He's stomping around, giving it, yeah, I'm the king, I'm the boss, I'll do all of this. <laughs> It'll happen. Yeah, yeah. And then... <laughs> And and then what he's actually done is decided to leave one of the two pinch points to the entire nation under the control of a very small number of, as it turns out, very un-ironborn-like people who basically, <laughs> as we see in this chapter, um, maybe aren't the most uh, martially vigorous yeah. people. Yeah. Um, so... So, so Reek's been sent into this castle because it's very difficult to take regardless. I mean, it's doable, but it's going to cost a lot of men. And Rams is thinking he could get it almost for free here if he can get if, yeah. he, if he can get Theon to pretend to be Theon again, but still mm. remember that he's really Reek, um, Ramsay's creature. Ramsay's basically banking on the level of torture and the breaking down of Reek, the breaking mm. down of Theon, Mm. Um, to to keep to keep him loyal, um, yeah. so so much so that he can send him back amongst his own people as mm. a sort of as a sort of king almost, and he'll still be loyal to Ramsay and come crawling back. So yeah. it's a big it's a it's a gamble, I would say. It, it is a gamble, but um, but you know, it's again the tension of this was sort of lost for me a bit because I know what it's like in the TV series and they've put like I said last time they put you know hours of screen time into dicking all over Theon Greyjoy it's yeah. not about to get turned around in this scene um, but I will say that I thought this was far more believable like on the TV series it was just it was it was heartbreaking but in a kind of horrific way it was like being presented with a horror show like you're like oh you could be free and you're not going to say anything about it whereas mm. here because you've got the internal monologue I thought this yeah. was much more powerful and you could totally see how he was acting out what he was acting out and what he was thinking while he was fronting like he was you know still the son of a lord sort of thing yeah what I also like about his um, his thought process here is how it weaves sort of his memories of the last time they were at Milk Kaelin at the head of this 20,000 strong army to go south and cause yeah. havoc yeah. with what it's like now, just this corpse-strewn wasteland of misery. 
Mm. Um, and that, yeah. that's very melancholy, yeah. isn't it? How the how, how those two things, the melancholy memory and the miserable reality, I suppose. Um, yeah, yeah. One little detail of these corpses that he sort of trots past or he, he moves past um, on the way into the castle is that the what's described as blood blooms are happening in, in the sort of wounds of these corpses, basically like plants and stuff are flowering in the... Oh. In the, it's just a detail that I never thought of it before, and sort of yeah. made a, a, a added another level of sort of uh, rather macabre detail to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I don't know about you, but this 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 idea of you know the corpses here doing something different than they do in other places um, was really interesting to me because it was very much like the Dead Marshes in um, Lord of the Rings. Mm. You know where where they're still kind of alive, kind of. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's it just makes, you know, this kind of very kind of boggy environment a very atmospheric place. Yeah. Um <clears throat> as Theon arrives, he gets shot at a couple of times from somewhere in the bog, but um the shots miss and he's dragged inside and immediately he realizes that Moat Kaling's finished already. Um there's there's there aren't many people here and the ones that are here are very, yeah. very sick because they've been under attack from these what are called bog devils for so long basically the people who live in the swamps fight with poison arrows yeah. and have been having this sort of guerrilla war um, ever since Mort Kaling was taken and it's just, it's nearly finished now isn't it um, this yeah. Yeah. Th- this summed up I suppose by Ralph Kenning who's the guy in charge who is so sick that he can't even speak he's basically in the fever- feverish in this bed and pretty much dead already isn't he yeah i mean it to the point where when theon actually kills him doesn't he say that like maggots crawl out of the something like it's it's like he's almost he's already decomposing kind of thing you know um yeah yeah he's um he's he's done in isn't he the yeah. old kenningster oh, um the hey, kenningster hey. <laughs> the world's most short-lived nickname <laughs> how briefly we knew ye he's uh, <laughs> uh reek actually fi- uh, or theon actually finishes him off um, yeah, which is quite a ballsy move considering he's just turned up and yeah. considering what he is, what he's become. Yeah, um, yeah, but at the same time, what he looks like is there's a very ironborn thing to do, isn't it? You're, yeah. you're useless. I'm in charge. Yeah. Chop, slap, slice. You know. Yeah, um, yeah. He says to the others, he offers them sort of terms to leave. Sort of a say, if you surrender, you can be. We'll let you go. And he said, he says, sounds likely, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And he tells them they've been abandoned, and they sort of, he sees a look in their eyes, and they all, all the sort of ironborn believe that this is true as well. Yeah. Do Do you think it's true? I can, I kind of think he, he, he is right. <laughs> like, yeah, he, he totally is. Well, I mean, we know this again because we know what Victorian does afterwards, and at no point in a feast for crows does Victorian go. Do you know what? I better get back to Moat Cayman, hadn't I? <laughs> I've, I've left yeah. him there. I t- tell it. Sorry, lads. I just had to, you know, got caught up in becoming yeah. the king and pursuing a bride. And no, he doesn't say any of that. So we know they have been abandoned. And the thing is, the fact that they believe it, I think, tells you something else as well. I think that's about um, how. Um, I think that's that's the fundamental weakness of the Ironborn. That's what pissed me off about the Ironborn as a people group is mm. that they are so consistently dickheads to one another mm. that the idea of any sort of ironborn solidarity is a complete shambles. Hmm. I, I wouldn't, like, if I was ironborn, you know, I wouldn't trust anybody I was born with or indeed to 
to, you know, keep my house up, to spit on me if I was on fire. That's just not what the iron <laughs> would do because it would appear to be a sign of weakness, right? So, you know, so and it's the worst military strategy in the universe to allow the people that you've left holding this really important pinch point that you just don't care about them very much. Yeah. Um, I also think they, they just don't i mean the ironborn i mean victorian just doesn't care about the pinch point at all he doesn't really care about milk galen yeah, yeah i wouldn't even yeah. be that surprised if it hasn't even crossed his mind if he's completely forgotten yeah. about it <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> oh yeah i forgot about those guys <laughs> yeah yeah but but yeah so they have been abandoned it looks like uh the i am these guys are going to accept the terms because they know that it's it's finished apart from this guy called cod who says you know forget that and i you know we're not yeah. gonna we, we don't surrender or ironborn mm. and as he's sort of making his case there's the <laughs> ko as um <laughs> <laughs> someone just kills him as, as they i want to do the ironborn um yeah so. yeah yeah that's that is exactly it isn't it the ironborn can be relied upon to kill somebody before they've even got to the end of a sentence they disagree with <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're absolutely right it's it's brutal it is very much ko <laughs> So the the Ironborn um, decide to surrender, and we are we're already suspicious because we know the sort of reputation of the Boltons and particularly <laughs> Ramsay about prisoners. Yeah. But um, it was the moment that the dude with the one arm, who's now leading them, starts talking about how he's going to get off home to see his wife and kids. That that cemented his uh, his <laughs> fate. I thought. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're showing human warmth and kindness. I'm sorry, that's just not acceptable around here. Off with his head and probably his bollocks as well. <laughs> There's this nice little beat where they get to the um, sort of the lines, the sort of Bolton lines, and the, the sort of the scout or the person who receives them says, like, he takes a look at the Ironborns, like, is, is that it? It's just 50 of you? And Reek's like, yeah, that's everybody. And he says, you know, oh, they, they, uh, they threw us back three times. So they've attacked this place three times and have failed to take it. And assume <laughs> that it's full of it's full of defenders, and yeah. Theon has this like little, but it's almost like a spark of pride where he sort of thinks because we're Ironborn, yeah. and then he then he sort of <clears throat> sort of <clears throat> the reek in him kills it quickly because it's a dangerous yeah. thought, yeah, yeah. Um, which is I thought that was really nice, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, actually, there's a little test for Theon here as well, where Ramsay says, "Oh, you've done really well." You know what? I'm going to let you go if you like, seeing as you've done such a good job. And Theon Stroke Reek knows that this is a test, yeah. and he says, "No, no, I want to stay with you." You know, and all this, yeah. and yeah, again, horrifying, isn't it? Really, like, like just the just the presentation of this complete dismantling of the human personality. Mm. Um, really, really horrible thing to watch. Yeah, and then the next day, of course. So, so, you know, actually, Theon gets a promotion. He he gets to sleep with the dogs and eat uh, eat some meat and get drunk. So lucky him. Uh, he hears, <laughs> yeah, he hears yeah, some, lucky him. <laughs> hears some screams in the night, and the next day there are sixty three corpses. One of them with one arm. So it didn't end well for of the Iron Boss. There um, were honestly yeah. what a pain in the ass. Like just yeah. Well, I mean, my my distaste for Ramsay Snow is is well developed. Yeah. Presumably, he'll go away at some point, or he'll end up becoming the king of everything. Yeah. By the way, I quite like how they did this in the series, where it was almost comical. It was like this guy was like, um, 
so if we surrender, you'll give us safe passage? And Theo's like, yeah. And then it's just this smash cut to this guy, like, just dead. <laughs> He's like, oh, <laughs> tight. That's harsh. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway. Um, so then, the obviously, the way's open now. These 20... Th- these are Bolton Northmen return uh, sort of with this... Uh, with some phrase as well. And as we, as we said earlier on, you know, 20,000 of these Northmen went south. And it's, yeah. Theon says... Uh, around two in two in ten have returned, so around four thousand have come back. Most of them Boltons. Yeah. Um, Roos is uh, riding with his helm up, and it's like, yeah, safety first. It turns out <laughs> it's not even him. He's got some like dummy Roos there. <laughs> and <he's got> steps <laughs> out. <laughs> in case the parallels between um, Saddam Hussein and Roos Bolton weren't clear enough, here we go. He's got the, the the legitimate Saddam Hussein body double. I bet he's got a house full of them. He's got a a, 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 a copy of Winterfell somewhere behind a hill, full <laughs> of people who look a bit like him. <laughs> I do think though Roos Bolton's one of the most dangerous men in the like in the books in any of the books and probably one of the most talented in terms of ruthless efficiency at sort of Being getting what he bastard. wants done yeah, yeah. Um, there's actually a, a little bit here where uh, Theon remembers that when they were last here obviously Roos Bolton was part of Rob's council and yeah. Theon used to take the piss out of Roos's voice, his high voice, <laughs> and he's looking at it, looking at it now, thinking that was madness. This guy is one of the most dangerous yeah. men that you'll ever meet. Yeah. <laughs> Why yeah, would I do it's that? It's interesting though, isn't it? Because you know, I think everybody in Westeros, you know, when you when you're a young lord, you have to learn how not to be a young lord anymore. And Jon Snow's done it through, you know, astonishing good luck and fortitude. And Theon's done it by becoming somebody's gimp basically yeah, yeah you know and it's just it's it's ruthless isn't it you know it presents this world where boys will be boys and that will get them killed unless they're lucky mm. yeah um the final part of this chapter we get a bit of a well we get the sort of answer to this riddle that we had last time which was all this talk of uh ramsey bolton marrying Arya stark despite the fact yeah. from what we understood Arya is nowhere near Westeros anymore yeah. and um, it turns out like Bruce Bolton goes may I present Lady Arya of House Stark and um, Jean Poole gets out of the sort of the carriage uh, Theon recognises her <laughs> so it's this this girl who was Sansa's best friend when they were in King's Landing and yeah. we all assumed had, I assumed had probably been killed in the massive you know way yeah, back when yeah, in Game yeah, of Thrones clearly. 1 yeah. Um, yeah what did you make of that? Well, I mean, obviously, so we knew it wasn't, it, we knew it wasn't Arya. So now we know what the kind of scam is, if you like. Mm. Yeah. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, like, okay, so this is going to carry off. I do think it's a bit of a strange decision on, on um, Ramsay Bolton's part to bring one of the only people around who will recognize that this isn't Arya Stark into the room and go, look, it's Arya Stark. <laughs> you know that seems to me like a questionable decision yeah yeah we'll see how um sort of easy it'll be to sell that as we uh, yeah. as, as we sort of as we sort of move on um the final chapter for today is a very short one about john um john's in this what is now feeling a very empty castle black stannis has marched off with all his forces hmm. um so it's just uh 
it's just the old uh, it's just the old night's watch left. Um, yeah, and, and everybody just settles down. You know, tension goes out of the air. They're like, Whoa. oh, thank God they've gone. Hey, I tell you what, lads, crack the beers out, shall we? Just have a bit of a relax. <laughs> um, they they head out to Molestown. Um, as the, as they're going, uh, you can see John's tense and he's worried about some big sort of move he's going to make now. And um, he's taking his sword with him. He's got some guards. And obviously something big's happening here. And mm-hmm. it turns out he's going to Molestown because that's where the wildlings are based now. Mm-hmm. And he's going to basically try and recruit some of them. Uh, he, they make their way over there. They go past all like these series of trees which have got faces painted on them now. Just a, a real clear indication that the wildlings for all the fact they've burnt a bit of wood when they came south of the wall there's no way they're sort of letting go of their old traditions and their old gods <laughs> um, yeah was anybody surprised by that by the way <laughs> the idea that the wildlings might do one thing and then turn out actually to be sticking up two fingers to you behind your back yeah yeah there's this there's this really uncomfortable scene where the night's watch start handing out the day's rations of food it's like hmm one apple or one piece i think oh, of bread per awful, person um yeah it is and john basically says you know you can have more if you join up if you sort of agree to to man the wall and he's sort of offering a like half night's watch position so sort of they are under the command of members of the night's watch but they're not fully night's watch members mm-hmm. yeah um, yeah so sort of a halfway house yeah and it looks like it's not clear which way it's going to go. One or two people agree. And then this guy called Halleck, who is Harvard Dog's head, one of the people who died at the at, under the wall, um, her brother, who's sort of now the sort of the new, new leader of this little faction, he yeah. agrees and comes over. And it's sort of like the, the sort of the key moments. And it's the indication for a lot of others to go over as well. Apart from the yeah. Thens who decide that they have no part in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you think? Some uh, th- this decision actually, this very uh, the very idea of doing this. Do you think it's a, a sensible one? I can't see that you've got any option. So th- this kind of mirrors the Daenerys situation in a sense, in that I can't see what the alternative is. You know, yeah. like yeah. you know, what do you do? They've they've stuck around. They've been told they can hang out by a king who's about to fuck off somewhere else and get get wined and dined throughout Highland Scotland. Um, so you know what are you going to do? Also, you might as well mm. put them to work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What, what about you? Um, no, I agree that it's um, it's a bit of an impossible position situation. And as John says, sixty, seventy extra bodies on the wall can't be a bad thing. Mm. But I think Bowen Marsh makes some good sort of counterpoints where he says, you know, you bring in some of the people you bring in back here are women that you know the black brothers it's going to be a big temptation for those guys and john's response is well you know these are wildling women they can defend themselves but mm. then bo's response to that is yeah and when a couple of our guys get killed what's going to happen then yeah and john's final john's sort of response to that is well it's sort of like it's better to have an extra 65 people that and lose a couple of black brothers than not have them i don't know how true that is Especially if you want to, if you want to sort of, uh, well, I, I don't know. I, th- I think in a completely hard-headed sense, he's probably right. But in a sense of, from the point of view of the Night's Watchman, 
they have been they have spent years being conditioned to believe that one night's watchman's worth however many wildlings yeah yeah and well but and so i think this is you're right like he's giving up a huge asset in 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 introducing the idea that that's not the case but he's also I think it's something that he has to do because the night's watch is palpably lesser than it used to be like yeah. you, you know otherwise you'd end up in a situation where he'd be saying right there's one of me and 69 of you but I'm going to win because night's watch yeah. and actually he, I think he needs people to get real and be like you know the battle here is not against the wildlings it was never against the wildlings it's against the white walkers which is different. yeah yeah it's um, yeah it's trying to get across this idea that the well, A, the wildlings aren't less than human, and B, they're not enemies either. But the, yeah. but but and he's he's right, and he's got to get that. But he's got to try and get that across to the to the Night's Watch, and obviously it's a very difficult task. Another point that Bowen makes, which I think is quite interesting and worth considering, because John says, you know, it's worth having these extra sixty people on the wall, you know, to fight the others when they turn up and the whites. Yeah. And Bowen says, yeah, but what if it's Tormund or the Weeper or other wildlings who turn up to attack the wall? Yeah. Which way do they fight then? And that that is a genuine problem, that, surely. That is a genuine problem. Although, you know, Mance Raider and the whole army of all the wildlings, that was kind of a miracle. That's why Mance Raider was a big deal, was because he managed to get them all in the same place, right? Mm. So, and that was the first time they'd attacked the wall for ages. Like, mm. certainly in battle, right? Yeah. But so I'm. I mean, although on the other hand, Tormund is mental. So who can say? <laughs> well, and also the the whole strength of the wall is that the wildlings can't get up there. If you've got sixty of them up there, yeah. it, 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 had this had this happened, sort of when Man's Raider attacked and his plan to infiltrate the wall had worked. Yeah, that's how they were going to do it. You know, let some take over a section of the wall, let some ladders down or whatever and make a breach and mm. you can see that from sort of a from Bo and Marsh's point of view you're doing half the work for them there if there's going to be another attack on the wall from the wildlings yeah and it's, it is a strong argument but again I don't really see what choice John's got yeah yeah um, exactly you know, it's a risk yeah, either so way it is a risk either way and, and the thing is with, with John there is a slight sense here of like I really don't want it to be this way but given how easy it is to die in Westeros and given how many how many risks he's taken here you know how many kind of times he's having to chance his arm just to deal with the the problems that are presenting themselves to him you begin you begin to have a sense that i don't know he just either he pulls off a work of political genius in getting all of the wildlings to be friends and be productive workers and not be at all bitter mm. and dealing with Rattleshirt and his new religious jewellery <laughs> and dealing with, you know, the fact that Stannis is gone but will probably come back and the White Walkers and mm. the onset of winter and a lack of food and on and on and on. It's a bit... I don't really see how he can get his way out of this. Again, like Daenerys. Yeah. You know, Daenerys is between a rock and a hard place. Jon is between a rock, a hard place, a slab of ice. You know, like just, <laughs> just this, like, a completely unmanageable set of challenges to me. Mm. Well, we should find out, or we may find out a bit more about how successful John's going to be. I was going to say, don't go promising what George <laughs> won't deliver, Matt. <laughs> yeah, in the next section of uh, Dance of Dragons, uh, we're ne for next time we're reading from the next chapter, which is about Tyrion. He dreamed of his lord father, 
to uh, another chapter about Tyrion, roughly page 277 by my reckoning, and that begins Tyrion by the time they reached Volantis. So Ooh. it looks like there's plenty more Tyrion to come, uh, even so though it looks it like seem, he's drowned. Although if he turns out to be a stone man when we get there, and it's just an increasingly <laughs> first-person account of somebody turning into a zombie, interesting, but it's been done. <laughs> okay well um until until that time if you want to get in touch and uh, give us any feedback on the cast or on dance with dragons so far usual address shark liver oil podcast at gmail.com that's shark liver oil podcast at gmail.com we're also on twitter at shark liver oil until next time dave until next time matt take it easy <laughs> <laughs>